be seated. You may be seated. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that nobody is, uh, nobody experiences life and the joys of life in a vacuum. Uh, um, Nobody is, as MMG would say, self-made. I went past some of y'all. It's okay. Um, uh, 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 We have a self-made culture here where we think that uh, our exaltation and our opportunities were created by ourselves. But there's no one on this planet that's created any opportunity and made a way for themselves because if somebody didn't come before us and pave the way for where we are, we wouldn't be where we are today. How many of you agree with that? that? That you wouldn't be where you are today if somebody didn't make a sacrifice in the past. No matter what ethnicity you are, no matter what economic bracket you come from, all of us exist today in the natural at least because someone paved the way for us. And, and Jesus Christ ultimately paid the way for us through his resurrection from the dead that put in motion a cosmic shift. A, a cosmic shift that is recreating everything. One day there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, One day, we're going to get new bodies. One day, the lion is going to be chilling next to the lamb. Well, one day, everything will be put back, not in God's, not in original order. We're not going back to Eden. We're going forward to eternity. Let let, let me me, me, me just say that. Let me say, I don't care what the Psalms say. We're not going, I don't want to go back to Eden um, because that got messed up the first time. So, so God is not seeking in his redemptive faculties to recreate Eden. He's not trying to recreate a pre-fall state. He's trying to create a no-fall state. And, 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 and so in light of that, in order for that to happen, he, he has to shift what originally caused the breakage, and that's the souls of men. Our separation from God and our brokenness through our Adamic uh, forefather, your man Adam, uh, sinned against God. And therefore, God told him before the fall, dying you shall die. In other words, um, if you eat from this fruit of this tree, you shall die. And God being rich in mercy and grace, even after they did that, when he cursed the ground and he cursed creation because of Adam and Eve's sin, and we live under the curse, God did what's called the proto-euangelion. He, 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 he did something powerful in, in Genesis chapter 3.15. He promised that, he promised something beautiful. He said, your seed will have uh, his uh, heel bruised, but your seed will also crush his head. And so what's powerful is, he said, there will be some difficulty that will happen, but ultimately there will be a seed that will come. And there went the first trailer of a coming attraction. Throughout redemptive history from Genesis to Malachi, God began to give trailers of what we know now as redemptive history. Redemptive history are trailered pictures that point to the fact that there's an attraction coming and that Jesus Christ was going to do away with and unlock everything that was locked away from us because of our commitment to sin with Satan. And so now in this passage, we come to one of those prophetic conclusions where where throughout the uh, Old Testament or Tanakh, if you will, God is giving trailers uh, through typology, through uh, uh, longitudinal themes and all different types of things to point that a Savior is coming. And not only is he pointing to the fact that a Savior is coming, not only did he point to the fact that a Savior is coming, he also is pointing to the fact that God is going to do something in the coming of that Savior. 
And in the coming of Jesus Christ, God spoke in multiple conclusions, and Ezekiel is no absence of this. In the book of Ezekiel, we see here that we're in the post-exilic period. We're, uh, we're about uh, 500, four, to, four to 500 years away from the coming of Jesus Christ. And, and before this time, um, uh, the, the, the prophets are having, the prophecies are getting more clearer as time gets closer. The more clearer, the more closer you got to the movie, the, the, the more bang outs of the trailers that you, but I like the fact that the prophet didn't give us a spoiler. He didn't tell us too much about the movie, but he let us know that the movie was coming. And so here in this passage, he prophesies about what's called the new covenant. Somebody say the new covenant. The new covenant, when Jesus Christ talks about the new covenant in his blood, is that God is going to write a new contract between him and those who believe in him by grace alone, through faith alone, and through Christ alone. And so he talks about the cataclysmic change that's going to happen inside of us because of Jesus Christ's resurrection based on 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that lays out the impact of the resurrection. Now here, we see the anatomy of what the resurrection provides, which brings me to my first point. If you're going to experience the impact of the resurrection, you got to see that because of the resurrection, God pursues us. We don't pursue him. God pursues us. Somebody say us. us. We don't pursue him. If you look in verse 25, I want you to underline those two I wills in that passage. If you go to verse 26, you'll see I will in that passage three times. In verse 27, if you underline it, you'll see it in the passage, I will. Somebody say, I will. I yeah, I love that because God doesn't make the cutting of the new covenant a work of human beings. Yeah. Every, every verb that he, uh, that he talks about in the passage is connected to a personal pronoun that's connected to him. And when God says, I will do something, that means he doesn't need you to help him to do it. Yeah. In, other words, in other words, salvation happens because God acted upon us. Y'all don't know that God was the first missionary. Uh, man was not the first missionary. God, in other words, God was the first missionary. The, when, when Adam and Eve sinned and they hid themselves, God came down and he began to hover in the cool of the day. And what he began to be, say was, Adam, where are you? Now, what he's doing is he already is omniscient, so he knows where Adam is, but he wants to let Adam know out of our relational time, this is the first time I've had to ask you where you are, because when you knew that I was around, usually you just perk up and come to me. But because there's a, there's a gap between you and I, now I got to let you know through my question that there's a separation between you and I, and I want to let you know the first thing you did when you fell is you ran away from me, not towards me. But because I'm rich in mercy and I'm rich in grace, even though I just gave you these rules, I, 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 even though I just gave you this information, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back to you. Now, God is a good God because he spanks and gives grace at the same time. See, see, you don't understand. See, you would rather have a spanking from God, not eternal wrath of God. And so God lets Adam know that I'm going to give you a spanking, but he lets him know what he does. He kills an animal. The first sacrifice that's done is done by the hands of the pre-incarnate Christ. And he covers Adam and Eve with animal skins as a pointer to the fact that I'm going to come back. And I'm not going to come looking like this, but when I come back the next time, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be the one that gets cut up and torn up for you. And then I'm going to recover you so God will no longer have to look for you. You will want to be with him. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so salvation, family, is not a work of man. Let me, let me say that again because some of y'all think that you saved your little self. But the Bible, my Bible says that Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And, and, and it just feels good to be chosen. It, it just feels good to know that God is so gracious and God is so merciful that he didn't let my mess, that he didn't let how trifling I am, how nasty I am, how left field of the, because, because let me just tell you something, your mess isn't surprising to God. Your mess ain't, your, listen, God sees all of the mess, actual and potential, at the same time, and still decides that he's going to will to love you. That's powerful to me. Uh, so, so, some, of, some of us, we got some stuff that we've hidden, and we say, only if God knew. No, he already knows. He still loves you, though. And so, and so that I will is in the midst of knowing that you're messed up. Not just a vision for you being different when he comes to you. He loves you even while you're dirty. That's what I love about the gospel. God loves us in our dirt and while we're dirty and while we're trifling. Um, he doesn't love us just when he cleanses us. So he says, I will. <laughs> Nobody, no, now, now see, somebody's still sitting here thinking that nothing's wrong with them, and they can get themselves in a relationship with God. So, so I'm going to just read Romans chapter 3. It says in verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Huh. Huh. N not, not one. My, my grandmama would say not naria one of y'all are righteous. Y'all don't know nothing about that. She's from South Carolina. She had a different vernacular. Verse 11 it says, it, 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 it says, no one understands. That means you can't comprehend the gospel without God. Uh-oh. No one seeks after God. I, it should me out when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody. And they say, I'm a seeker. I said, no, you're not. I'm seeking after God. God ain't lost. He don't need to be found. You lost. And I'm lost. And, and, and we need to be found. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So I'm going to get to heaven because of my good works. Well, he said, no one does good. Because you're good on your best day, where you thought you blessed them, where you thought you killed it, and when you felt your own peace. On that day, your righteousness is as filthy rags to the living God. He says in verse 13, their throat is an open grave. Lord Jesus, death comes out of them. They, they, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp, P on the end, is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In other words, that, 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 that the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So therefore, the, the, the theological conclusion that we can come to is that man is so dead, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, verses 3 and 4, that, that, that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving in order that they may not see the light of the gospel. So that means that there has to be someone on the outside of you that acts in your favor and acts in your strength, because if you try to see the gospel with your eyes, you'll see them with blinders. If you try to believe the 
God, you don't, you don't have faith yet because Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, God apportions to those who believe faith. So there's no one, you don't have faith to even believe in God. You don't have the sight to even see the gospel. Your soul is not even alive to be able to say, I believe. In other words, it takes God to believe in God. It takes him, it takes him, it takes him. So, so, so you're not choosing on your own. You need some help. You need some help. And so, and so God said, I'm going to help y'all out. He says, I will. Look at the verse. He says, he, says, he says, I will sprinkle clean. I'll sprinkle clean water on you. That's ritual purity. Well, he will now make you able to worship him. Yeah. Now, cleanliness means there's dirtiness. So that's why you can't get saved unless you repent. Because you got to admit that you're dirty. See, some of our problems, we don't like to admit nothing. Can't nobody tell us nothing. But see, that's why you need gospel help. He said, he said, I, he said I will make you clean. You won't clean yourself off. So you're not going to get yourself ready. Something, I remember somebody, I was talking to one of my neighbors about coming to church. They, they, they said, no, nah, Pastor, I come in that church, I burn that church down. The, the, God will just set the church on fire if I come in there. I said, well, he ain't set the fire when we came in because we just as bad as you are. You know what I'm saying? And so God has to act and cleanse us, but you got to recognize by God's power that you're dirty. It's interesting that babies, you know what I'm saying, they can, they can just do everything in their diaper and just still play, run around, you know what I'm saying, just be all right. Just, <laughs> you're like, you don't smell that. No, <laughs> no. And they just... You know, they're just playing and carrying on. You're like, Dad, do you smell hot trifling? You smell right now. They can play. They can even eat. Do stuff in them, you know, and all that and just eat. And it's just like nothing's wrong. That's how many of us are. We can run around here and we can eat and we can walk, but we don't recognize that we're a stench before God. And so, therefore, we need some help so that we can get clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. This water here points back to when um, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. Nick, Big Nick came to him by night. And Nick came to him by night. That's my man. He came by night. He didn't want his other dudes to see. You know, I know dudes don't do that no more. You know what I'm saying? But he came to him by night. He was, he was, like, he was like, man, we know you from God. He said, you must be born again. He said, I don't understand what you're saying. Jesus said to him, Unless you are born again, you cannot have any part with me. He says, as a matter of fact, you must be born of water and spirit. And he, he's like, I don't understand this. And, and guess what he said to him? Nicodemus, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you are a teacher of Israel. And you don't understand what I'm talking about. In other words, based on the Old Testament, he should have already been looking for the cleanliness that comes from God through Christ. And Christ was euphemistically referring to Ezekiel chapter 36. And he was referring to Jeremiah of the new covenant. And so he should have known that you could be born again through this. How do we know you could be born again? Because he said, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all of your idols. I shall clean you. Yeah. That's good. That means self-worship is over. Yeah. Colossians chapter 3 says that. All sin amounts to idolatry. Idolatry is to worship anyone, anything, or any place, even yourself, instead of God. 
I had to add that because some of us don't think we worship ourselves. But every time you have pride, guess who you worship? You. Every time you're greedy, guess who you worship? You. Every time you want to uh, smash something that ain't got nothing to do with me, you, guess what? You, you are worshiping you because sin always makes you about you. That's what, Ad, that's what the devil said to Eve. He said, you will be like God. So in other words, the devil always uses idolatry as the gateway into all the sins that he wants you to get into. But God is so good that even though we left him and we went where we wanted to go and didn't want to go where he wanted to take us he comes down and he rolls up his sleeves and he comes after us to cleanse us of our self-righteousness to cleanse us of our greed to cleanse us of our pride and cleanse us of all of our self-worship that's what he does that's what he does and and that's what I love about him is that he does that in such a powerful way to help us to become everything that he wants us to become next verse he says, and I will, he said, I will give you a new heart. And he said, and a new spirit I will put in you and remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Heart of stone means impenetrable, unable to relate to God. How can someone believe in God without God if your heart is stone? He said, everyone had a heart of Pharaoh. Every human being was born as cute as you thought you were and you were in a baby. Your baby pictures that you put up on Throwback Thursday and as cute as you think you were, you were a hard, hard cutie. You, 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 you were hardening your heart. You know what I'm saying? And so impenetrable by God's truth. But God is so good is that in order to get saved, he has to remove the heart of stone from you. And put a heart of flesh in you. Now, when he says heart of flesh, he's not talking about fleshliness. He's talking about a heart that's able. He's using the idea of their understanding of heart. A heart that's able to pump blood through it. In other words, in order to experience the glory of the blood of Jesus Christ in your life, you have to have the artery of your soul changed so that the spiritual essence of the blood of Christ can pump through all faculties in your life. And, the, and, and euphemistically in Hebrew, uh, uh, having a new heart means new mindsets, new taste buds, and affections towards God, and the ability to have our will taken out of bondage so that we can do what the Bible says and that we can actually like what the Bible says. And see, my wife been getting on me about my eating habits for a while, and so she's putting me on this little her her herbalology thing um, that I won't talk about too long because we in love still. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and what's interesting about it is, is I, I, I didn't think I could survive without some Miss Tootsies and some Dwight's um, and some uh, Denise's and uh, some Ron's, and y'all don't know what I'm talking about, and some, you know, you know what I'm talking about, some... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, some, 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 yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. Some cheese fries, all kinds, cherry soccer. But, but, but what she began to do is when she changed my diet, she changed my diet and began helping me to understand what was happening to me. Um, I, now I like kale and salad, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm like, salad, wow. Um, 
you know, I, I like fruit for dessert instead of some Philly flavors, you know. Now, now y'all got to understand, I'm growing up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, um, and so my mind began to change first. And then that, I got to the point where if I ate those things in proportion, it would hurt my stomach and the salt would get to me because I'm more sensitive now that I'm not eating the mess anymore than I was because my mind has been changed and my taste buds have been changed. She even got me eating, God forbid, hummus. Now, I'll fight you over some hummus now. We, I'm getting curry hummus, black truffle hummus, and Old Bay hummus. I, I got all kinds of hummus. I'm like, yak hell, I'm lighting that hummus up, right? And it's all because she was concerned enough about my health to begin to work on my thinking about it. And now my affection, now I actually like to eat healthy. Um, now, and now I'm willing to go after it myself. When God changes you, he changes your mind towards him, but he also changes your affections towards him. That's why you begin to worship and lift your hands to the living God because now you love him and you don't care who's beside you. You don't care how people look at you because you know about his goodness and you know that he set you free. You know that he's changed your mind. You know what he's done for you. So it makes you like him and love him at the same time. But not only like him and love him because, because when you've been changed by God, the worship service ain't the only time you live for God. When you, sometimes you'll just be by yourself and, and I don't know, something happened, something happened to you, you'll turn off and you'll go off in the crew room while your worker's still out there and you'll go, in the, you'll go in the stall and begin to go like that. Why? And it's because the goodness of Jesus has set you free and now you don't care about what anybody thinks, but not only that, you'll walk with him now. You'll do stuff that you never thought you'd do. Why? Because he acted upon you. You didn't act upon him. That's, that's, that's the goodness of God at its best. You know somebody's changed when they go after the living God. He said, I'll give you a new spirit. Give you a new spirit. That's reconnecting. He's reconnecting your relationship with him. When Adam sinned, he died. And when he died, God cut the signal. Cut his line off. And he no longer was his service provider. Because the bill was too high for him to pay for the service ever again. And so, because of that, Jesus Christ had to come and put a new cell tower up. On top of Epiphany Fellowship, a two cell towers, T-Mobile and Verizon. And if you have either one of those providers in your vicinity, you'll have better signals than everybody around you. Because the tower is near you. Because the tower is right there, your signal is monstrositous. People who got other, uh, other they, 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 they can't get the signal you got because they don't have. See, when the cross came, the cross was the new cell tower. And everybody that goes there, and it, they recognize that the fee has been paid for them, so they never have to pay again. But one time I messed up and I went to Canada. And when I went to Canada to preach, I opened up my phone and I, was about to, I started using my phone. And one of the people said, Joker, you crazy, doc. I said, why am I crazy? They said, because, bruh, them charges going to be a beast. And they said, and I said, what's wrong? They said, because this is not the sphere of your provider. And because it's not the sphere of your provider, you're going to be roaming. And because you're roaming, you're going to get charges that, that you can't pay for. 
And so therefore, you got to get back in the realm of your provider because where the realm of your provider is, everything's been paid for in the realm of the provider. What I like about God is God is such a powerful signal that whether I go to Canada, whether I go to Brazil, whether I go to Yugoslavia, whether I go to Antarctica, whether I go to the North Pole, there is no limit on his signal from the cross. Because when you got the provider with you, when you got the one who set up everything for you, what happens is, is he don't charge you any Roman fees. Why? Because he's already paid for it. And because he's already paid for it, now he gives you a signal so you won't have to roam ever again. And so he goes down and he says, I'll give you a new spirit, a brand spanking new connection with me, a relationship with you. Then he says something powerful. He says, now remove the heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in you and give you a heart of flesh. Then he goes down and he says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statue. And you will be careful to obey my statutes. So what the gospel does through Jesus Christ, through Christ's death and Christ's resurrection, is create an opportunity that has never happened before. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was on men, but he wasn't in men. But Jesus Christ became the prototypical man that because he was resurrected from the grave, he becomes brand new all over Everything within him is new. And the Bible says, I don't know what yet we'll be like. All I know is that we'll be like him. And the Bible says that he'll take the heart of stone out and put a heart of flesh in us. And then after he does that, he'll blow a brand spanking new spirit within us to cause our signal to be connected. But not only that, because he can't leave us by ourselves. And so what he does is he put his spirit in us so that we can have power and protection. Oh, y'all not going to say nothing back to me. But having power and protection is helpful as we go along the way. Because in my life, I don't know about you, how far you walk and what you deal with, but I hit some bumps and some bruises and I fall sometimes. And I need some help from on high from the Holy One who has unhandcuffed me to help me to walk with him in his statutes and in his truth. It reminds me of my phone. I, I, I got, I got, I got a, a, a case that I put on my iPhone 5 now, and, and it's called a Mophie Pack. The, the Mophie pack, it, it covers the iPhone for two reasons. It covers it, number one, so that it can protect it. So that if I drop my phone, there is no shock damage to my phone because the phone is covered. But it's not on, only on the outside of the phone. It's also plugged into the pack. And what happens is, is when the phone runs out of power, what I can do is I can hit a switch on the back of it. And when I hit the switch on the back of the external part of the pack, my phone begins to charge again. In other words, even though my phone had a limit on its strength, even though my phone had a limit on its power, even though I wasn't plugged in physically to the source, there was a remote source that was plugged. I was plugged inside of me so that whenever I ran out of energy and whenever I ran out of power, that no matter where I was, whether I was on a plane or whether I was on a bus or whether I was in the car or whether I was behind the bed, I could just push the power source and the power source will begin to recharge me so that I can be all that I can use my phone the way that I need to to 
talk to whoever I'm supposed to talk to. The Spirit of God comes in your and my life for power and protection. He comes in your, in your life to cover you so that wherever you fall, he, you're going to be all right. If you fall to the left, you're going to be all right. If you fall to the right, you're going to be all right because he's the pack that covers you. But not only does he cover you, he's also in you. So whenever you run loose on strength and whether you run loose on power, all you got to do is hit the switch. And when you hit the switch, all of a sudden, power comes out of nowhere. Somebody asking what the switch is. Well, my Bible says that the Spirit of God is already in me at salvation, Ephesians 1.14. So I have the Holy Spirit. So I'm not getting the Holy Spirit. I'm not catching the Holy Ghost because um, he's not a coal. I already have him inside of me. But the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit ministering to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, whenever I need power, all I got to do is worship. Y'all ain't going to say nothing back to me. And when that happens, the power comes back in me in a way that I didn't know was coming back in me so that now that I'm a believer, when I had bad diapers, when I had bad diapers in my spirit, like all of us do, that's all of us do. (laughs) What's interesting is even babies get to a point where they're no longer running around. One, they get to a point where when they recognize that they're dirty, because you've been changing them, and so they know what clean is like now, so they can know what dirty is like. They know what clean is like, and they know what dirty is like. So, 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 they, so, so now that they've been getting cleaned off by their parent, they say, I'm dirty now, and many times they can't talk. And instead of talking, they cry out. And the reason why they cry out is because they, they, they want you to know that something's wrong with me. It's, one of, it's a few things that could be wrong with them. They could be hungry, or they could be tired, or at the end of the day, they may just need changing. I don't know who in here needs changing today. I don't know who in here recognizes the stench of their soul and the funk of your life. But I'm just letting you know today that when Jesus Christ comes into your life, all you got to do is cry. The Bible says, he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you got to do is cry out in belief. In belief. In belief. You can't speak salvation into existence. You can't. You have to receive the work of the gospel in your life that Christ died on the cross And that God poured out his wrath fully on Jesus that was due us to be separated from him in hell. We would pay for our sins forever, yelling and gnashing of teeth. It's not going to be a party in hell. Hell is not owned by Satan. He's not down there like trying to snatch, steal your soul. And he's down there like on, like on Tom and Jerry with an escalator stopping you from going up. And he got a pitchfork and a boiling pot. And he's like laughing in hell. He actually is afraid because hell belongs to God. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 41, that the, that the, the hell was made for the devil and his angels. As a matter of fact, when when Jesus came on the scene and some demons saw him, they said, it's not our time yet. In other words, because they are fearful of the wrath of God because spending eternity separated from God's grace and God's mercy, but only under his justice and only under his holiness being expressed through his wrath is what's due to every person that was born with a stone heart. 
But God, being rich in mercy before the foundations of the earth, slayed Jesus Christ, and he sent him from heaven to earth to put on an additional nature unmixed with his divine nature to one person united forever so that he could live the life that we could never live and die on the cross. And at some mystical point, God put the sins of the world on Jesus Christ. And at that moment, he was dying for our sins on the cross and experienced the hell that we deserve. And, and, and it was not the nails that held him to the cross, as the Mississippi Mass song says, it wasn't the nails that, that held them to the cross, but it was love that held them to the cross. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, God put your sins past present, and future on Jesus Christ so that when he was slewed on that cross, Isaiah 53 says, and he was pleased to crush him. But death couldn't hold him because at some point in time, early this morning, 2,000 years ago, his spirit went back into his body and he laid in that place. And when he laid in that place, he came back to life brand spanking new and he got up and he uh, took off the clothes that he had on, or he may have passed through on something real fly to check out his new body. And then he folded up the garments that they did because those garments were for a dead man. And so he couldn't take those out because those are dead man's garments. And those, those are dead man's garments. He, God, God had gave him a brand spanking new outfit. He, he, he brushed his shoulders off and said, all right, homie, it's time. And God opened up the tomb. And when he walked out the tomb, I believe he had mad swag when he came out the tomb. And when he walked out the tomb, he went like, he, he began to go like this and look around and say, your boy is back, your boy is back. And he looked around and he began just appearing all over the place, enjoying himself. Why? Because he's no longer there. And whoever believes that Christ died for their sins and got up on the third day gets to get up from the grave one day with him. But what's powerful is that ain't the end of the story because you and I who are believers groan here. Creation groans in pains with thunderstorms and floods and tsunamis and cancer and brokenness for the revelation of the sons of God. And so Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God, hanging out, making intercession for those who know him. But then one day, he's going to get a holy hunch of an elbow from the glory of God. And he's going to be like, huh, I'm glad. Let me, let me get up from my, my spot now. An angel's going to bring him his horse. He's going to mount the horse. And he's going to get on the horse. And then all of a sudden, the horse is going to appear in heaven. And then everybody who, if you got a loved one that went to heaven, they're going to get on their horse. Grandmama's going to be on her horse. Granddaddy's going to be on this horse. Slave owners are going to be on their horse who got forgiven. Slaves who got forgiven are going to be on their horses. Broken people, dead people, all kinds of people are going to get on their horses. And heaven is going to open up and Christ is going to get on a cloud and he's going to surf down right back all over again. And people are going to be hiding, but they're not going to be able to hide because he can see through everything. He can see through the rocks. He can see through the mountains. So there's no way you can hide because he got x-ray vision. I wish I had some help right there. And all of a sudden, he's going to dismount his horse. And, and, and the Bible says he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split in half. 
and then the books of life are going to drop from heaven, and he's going to stand there with the swag of heaven, with all of his glory, with a golden bulletproof vest on, and a linen outfit with wool dreads and flaming eyes, and, and, and he's brass colored, and ain't none of us brass colored, so none of us can own him, so he got brass skin, and it's going to be time now, and he's going to be standing there like, all right. It's time to judge the world. All of us will be standing here, and everybody will try to fight. But what's funny is all of us will be armed with battle regalia, but only one person will fight. He'll open his mouth and slew his enemies and give mercy to the righteous. And for those who know him as Savior, we have nothing to worry about because it says those who are washed in the blood, those who are washed in the blood, those who are washed in the blood. <laughs> he said, over them, over them, the second death has no power. And the lake of fire is going to flame up in fire. We're going to be standing there with our linen outfits dipped in the blood of Christ. And the fire of hell will not singe us. The Bible says the earth will burn with intense heat. And when it burns with intense heat, everything will melt away and we will see the recreation of heaven and in earth and old heaven will roll back and old earth will roll back and then all of a sudden everything will be new and when God has Jesus Christ said I pops I'm finished the Bible says that the tabernacle of God is going to come down from heaven and he's going to be there in the midst of all of us and he will shine bright as the sun. The sun is no longer in existence. The moon is no longer in existence because we'll get to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. No more sickness forever. No more dying forever. No more crying forever because he says, and he wipes away our tears. And we'll get to be with him Forever, every head bow, every eye closed.